Hello and welcome to another episode of the Morning Drive podcast. This episode I am joined by what can only really be described as an industry professional. I would have used the word legend, but if he hears this, it might make him feel uncomfortable. Um, so we'll go with professional. Uh, that is Henry Catchpole, writer for Eva magazine, uh, presenter on Carfection, and uh, also now writes for the Intercooler, which is an online mag. So absolute industry professional, someone that you'll probably have heard of, someone I was very excited to sit down and chat with. So on with the podcast. I've hit record now, and as I say, it's just a general chat. There's no, I've not got a hidden agenda. I'm not going to try nice. and sneak <laughs> out some industry secrets from you. I'm not going to try and get behind some embargoes. I've got no notes. I've got no <laughs> questions written down. I am just going to treat you like a person. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Hopefully well. we get to see that you are a person and not this super squeaky clean journalist that we, we come across all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm joined today by Henry Catchpole, um, and that's it. Away we go. Henry Catchfall. That's it. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> um, so the, the one question that I ask everyone mm. is, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> and that's it. How do we know who you are? How do you know who I am? Um, we know me from me driving cars and then either writing about them for magazines like Evo um, or websites or apps, I suppose, uh, called the Intercooler. Mm. And then most people probably know me from doing films on youtube i suppose now because that's the thing that um it's one of the weirdest things actually sort of i i, I said it before but i i never got into yeah the whole motoring thing to do the presenting on camera thing it was always about the writing your goal wasn't top gear it no was exactly Evo yeah yeah because um well, the problem is, once you reach the goal of Evo magazine, you kind of run well, exactly. out of things to keep going. Yeah, one of my best friends at university, he's a, he's a monk, actually. Um, he said to me, he's like, what are you going to do now? When, as soon as I started Evo, it's like, you've achieved your dream. Yeah. You know? well, now <laughs> yeah, what? 20, yeah, whatever it was, 22 years old, 23 years old. So, um, and, uh, but it's, when you appear in a magazine, it's pretty rare that people recognise you. Mm. Um, and, um, but as soon as you put your face out on the internet and films and things and you people do know you yeah. more than the cars well, they know in the new, they don't just know a name they know very much a face and yeah and yeah. a name which is um, it must be a weird thing to get used to like, i'm very mm. much starting in that world a very tiny amount like mm. i'll bump into people that have seen me on social media yeah or an occasional youtube video mm. And it's a very surreal feeling when people go, I know who you are. We've never met before. And you're like, oh, God, how weird is this? Yeah. I, I, I was on a, a drive with Haggerty in the Renault. Yeah. And a cyclist pulled up alongside us at a junction and went, you're the Tacona guy. I was like, what the hell? I'm in the middle of nowhere. And this cyclist happened to know. And it's, it must be so surreal to get that more frequently than I ever have and to be known as a that bloke off of Carfection. Yes, it's... Um Yes, it's very odd, really, because I suppose I'd never really, you know, it's, it's, it's very nice because people are generally always, thankfully, yeah. very nice about it. And, and it's, um, I've learned to try and have at least 
a question not ready because you know, I'm not like I'm walking around everywhere sort of you know with a, a question and sort of looking at people thinking are they going to say is it <laughs> but, but just otherwise I realize fairly quickly that people will sometimes stop you and go oh you're that chap off Carfection or Evo or sometimes they'll go you're Henry Catchpole yeah. and um and then it sort of all grinds to a halt and you're left standing yeah. there looking at each other in this slightly awkward kind of sort of sort of you know blind first date sort of situation <laughs> where sort of nobody knows what to say next and because you're, you're like um, <laughs> yes and they're like cool oh, oh <laughs> now what and then and most people haven't sort of a lot of people haven't thought past that initial sort of which is absolutely fine and yeah so i've learned that actually the onus is on me to sort of um, at, at least it's easier for you at an event like over at Bistro or something like that. You can, you can say, ask oh, what you, car Yeah, exactly. What car yeah. are you in or what you say or whatever. But have something just so that yeah. at least from from the perspective that, you know, I don't want people walking away going, well, oh, I met, met Henry Cattlepole <laughs> and we didn't really say it. So it's, <laughs> you want to at least have a sort of... Sort yeah, of, although Henry Cattlepole didn't talk much, <laughs> No, <laughs> which I don't. I'm not going <laughs> to... Which is great that you're on a bloody podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> that bloke that doesn't talk much, let's get him chatting for as long long as we can we've made four minutes so we should hopefully keep oh, okay. going wow <laughs> and that's it that's as much as we can do <laughs> yes exactly short episode um but no and i i imagine that car events are a, an interesting one for you because you're within the world where people definitely are going to know who you are yeah because that is your target demographic yes and yeah. you must constantly be encountering people that go oh i saw you do this this and this and you're like mm. Yeah, that was like seven years ago. Like how, you, how do you remember the specific? Oh, I watched it on YouTube yesterday. Yes. And like, oh, I lived it seven years ago. Um, do you ever have any like odd encounters in that kind of world? Um, I suppose I had, a, I had a curious one. Well, definitely wasn't at a car event. It was in um, uh, we were doing the drive of the new Lotus Samira, uh, and actually had a couple of problems with the car because it was pre-prod prototype. So we were trying fix it sort of fix something in a car park in tesco and i popped in to use the facilities in tesco and um, buy some cookies um and i was walking out of the loo and, and a chap who's absolutely drenched and he was looked absolutely knackered in, in all his cycling gear um and the helmets are also clip clopping along in in cleats and uh and he said sort of said oh henry sort of and then we stood in the sort of the corridor outside the loose desk with other people filtering past. And obviously I had something instantly to say to him because he was in cycling gear and said that he was doing massive, long, ridiculous, long cycle kind of as part of some event or other. And he'd seen the Lotus in the car park. And so so I'll hunt so, him down. Exactly, yeah. So it was, it, was a, it was a really nice nice chat and I was interested in his... And he actually sent me a message um, yeah, weeks or later on instagram saying oh I, I did complete the uh, the mammoth ride and sorry for <laughs> costing you instead yeah. of in the, in the, in the i was like no it's fine it's be... <laughs> well, at least you were outside of the facilities by the time. <laughs> exactly oh, yes yeah it's not the kind of <laughs> <laughs> oh, i know who you are you're like <laughs> catching each other's eyes yeah. <laughs> no anyway. you've got it's your penis out let's <laughs> carry this later on <laughs> So, um, what a way so, yeah. to meet a celebrity eh <laughs> <laughs> well weirdly i yeah i, I see i once met uh clive owen uh, it was at um, what was it? Was it the Polo? Not that I go to the Polo very often, but it was one of those things invited by a manufacturer um, to go to it. And, and yeah, and I think I said something to him about. Uh, do you remember he did those M5 BMW yeah, exactly, yeah. and I just videos. and exactly I think they're 
just brilliant. That E39 M5 yeah. in, um, with Madonna, Madonna in it. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the clicking as mm. he lets the, the yeah. auto... Yeah, I, did, I referenced that in one film not that long ago just because I felt it kind of... I had to do it. I it bring was, those videos up so often in yeah. conversation because they're yeah. so good. And that <laughs> shape M5 is the best M5. And there was a yeah. really dark green one at Vista yesterday. Oh, nice. And it was... It had M5, like trade plates on it yeah. so it just said BMW M5 I was like oh it might be up for sale and I was like I haven't got any money why am I even interested <laughs> I have a £500 Renault which is you get but, so how, how did that encounter go with Clybone uh, I saw you in those BMW videos and he's like of everything I've well, done yeah exactly and I think that was it actually he was um, uh, you know it was a let's put it this way a social occasion so um, um, he might not have been sober um, but then neither was I. So, but yeah, he was actually really happy to chat about them, I think, because it was probably, I'm sure he gets asked by, you know, so children of men or whatever, yeah, sort yeah. of, you know, all sorts of, um, all the time. But, um, uh, yeah, to, he was like, oh yeah, they were, they were really good and kind of enjoyed doing That was kind of like and, Transporter-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, done really differently. And it was a really yeah. cool project that I don't think a car manufacturer could really get away with these days. No, probably. I guess probably you're the closest thing to that kind of advertising for them now. Yeah, except we're obviously not advertising, so it's kind of it's <laughs> it's technically a, not. But <laughs> you not. are showing off their cars. Yeah, to yeah, showing off their cars. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, like, BMW can't have an M5 power sliding around a corner on a racetrack in their adverts, but you can do that. And I they can, can go. That, yes. Oh look, yeah. Henry Coachpole has power slid this M5 around the corner for <laughs> yes, us. Yeah, um, yeah. It was quite early days of YouTube, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, it was, you get them on a. I remember them being sent to the Evo offices on a DVD, right? In a nice little metal. I don't think I've got it anywhere. Or somebody else took it when the office moved. But um, they were very cool. Um, yeah, they were really, really cool. Or maybe it was a USB. St- anyway, it was. It was. It was. It, they didn't back. just put it up on yeah, yeah. on YouTube. So well, um, they'd have hit all sorts of censorships and things now. Probably. Yes, so yeah. They are on YouTube. Yes, that's yeah, how I yeah exactly. Them, I know. I, I, yeah, to... exactly. I don't dig out the DVD. <laughs> ones, so I'm sure you that, but I um, do watch them a lot. So, Clive Owen still likes because the one that springs to mind, not the the BMW video, the film is um, Shoot 'Em Up, which is a bizarre film. Okay, objectively, yeah. kills a man with a carrot. And <laughs> tells him to eat right. his veg, <laughs> and I'd have asked him about that, and he'd have probably been like. <laughs> Why is that the one that I'm known for? For you, you absolute nutter. Because he, he genuinely kills a man with a carrot. Okay. It's such a weird film. That is that is very bizarre, yeah. And, um, now, and now I'm thinking cars and carrots. There's a scene in that can... film, sorry to interrupt That's before right. you get off that tangent yeah. too much, where he crashes into someone because they won't use their indicators. And he makes this big point about how hard is it to move your hand three inches to indicate? And he just runs this guy off the road. So, <laughs> But yeah, cars and carrots don't tend to go... No, don't, yeah. unless you're uh, Francois Delacour. Why, what did he do? Because he gave an interview at the end of um, uh, uh, a stage in a rally. I think he was in an Impreza. And it's something, it's just the weirdest, most surreal interview. The poor stage end interviewer who sort of, you know, opened the door and, you know, Francois, really good time in there. And, and, or you've lost time. I can't remember what it was now even. Um, but yeah, and he gives this completely surreal answer about a carrot being on his windscreen and kind of, and then shows them the carrot. And it's just this kind of <laughs> this totally poor guy's weird the door. Of, yeah. And there's exactly. a guy with a carrot so, shouting at him. Yeah, exactly. You must have lost a lot of water on that stage <laughs> through sweat. <laughs> His brain is stuck on the 
Because I saw a video yesterday of, it was at the Canadian Grand Prix where they hit a groundhog. They actually hit one, did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. And there's a, it's from like above the helmet cam. Yeah. And you see it run out and the car goes over it. Ooh. And they're like, oh, you should probably box so we can check that the split is okay. It's like, how weak are these splitters if a tiny animal? I guess at 150 miles no, an hour, like, yeah. it's yeah. quite a solid object. Yes. But yeah. It was just really bizarre that of all the things that happened. A bit like when the tree fell down at Bathurst and they had to stop the race for about two hours. <laughs> so they could clear a tree off the track. <laughs> uh, like a whole tree. Full, straight down. All the way across. Um, mm. There's some wild things that happen in motorsport. And that's oh, yeah. one of the fun parts about motorsport. Well, was, yeah, I mean, I remember um, back to rallying. It was in, I'm sure I think it was Ireland. I think it was Ulster. And we used to do the, the recce because it was part of the British Rally Championships, you actually got to do three-pass recce in the days beforehand. And I remember there's this uh, three-right over a crest sort of between some houses. And it was a quite a sort of long crest that sort of continued, but sort of three for me was roughly third third gear. Yeah. Um, so quick enough, even in the Swift. And it was one of those ones where just, just looking at sky pretty much um, as you went over the top of this, so trying to pick a line to know where to go on this you know, cornering, cresting, um, um, what have you. And there was a telegraph pole. And I thought, OK, and as I came over, see, that's a pretty good line, actually. So I put in the notes, you know, three right, over crest, aim at pole. <laughs> and then whatever it would have been two days later we came back to that particular stage you know chris who's sitting next to me you hear the note three right over crest um pole or whatever and uh, you come over the crest and it's like there's no pole there <laughs> <laughs> and there'd been a storm and it blown down so oh, in between the recce and the um, <laughs> things here yeah, then just sort of trying to think, if i was a pole which i sort of am was, uh, where would i where would i stand kind of yeah, yeah. Have to aim at and you just had to sort of god um, but um yeah, something that would seem like a permanent reference point, really, isn't it? It's not <laughs> yeah. often that telegraph poles aren't there in two days. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, God. it's. Uh, it's um, yeah. So, how much like motorsport have you done then? Obviously, some rallying in a Suzuki mm. Swift. Yeah, um, not not a huge amount. Uh, I did all my racing, all my races, weirdly, all four of them. <laughs> been um, at Brands Hatch. Uh, I did some Janetta racing. Oh, nice! Quite early on in my. Um, career at Evo in G20s and um, so I did a double header it was the very first weekend of do you remember A1GP the Grand Prix of it wasn't Grand Prix of Nations but sort of they had a it was a single seater series and they had each country entered a driver and it was um, it was sort of a bit like Formula E yeah in a way but with um, not electric um, but it was the very it was released to some fanfare and the first ever race was at was at Brands Hatch and I was um one of the um, um undercard really? uh, races, yes. Who were you racing so, against? Uh quite a big field. <laughs> pretty much all of which was ahead of me. So <laughs> it was uh, um including uh, It's quite a daunting challenge really, isn't mm. it? Oh yeah, yeah. It was kind of so I I didn't I managed to not qualify last, which was quite an achievement. Um, given that I'd never driven the car other than in practice. I'm not sure I fitted particularly well. I borrowed a race suit. And um, then, yeah, I spun going down through Paddock Hill Bend on, I think, the second lap, Um, having made a relatively good start. uh, So it was all going well, and then it wasn't. So I then sort of potted around and 
I finished, but that was that was about it. And then the second race on the Sunday, it would have been, um, we were all lined up waiting to go out to the grid, sitting there on our slick tyres, or dry weather tyres anyway, and uh, we just saw the heavens open. So oh, we were sitting there, and there was no time to go and... You know, swap tires or anything like that. So it was a it was a wet race on, on slick tires. Just driving because, on ice, basically. Yeah, and it was just a matter of, of survival. And I knew that if I could just keep it on the island, then <laughs> I'd actually finish it. And I finished, you know, I don't know, halfway down the field or something, just just by keeping it. Yeah, um, which is Saab's original method of winning all those rallies and the endurance <laughs> races. That they just didn't stop, so therefore they kind of won. Yeah. Like I think they won like um, the Dakar, possibly the Milli Miglia. Milli Millia, however it's pronounced, and an, I think it was another long stint one, mm. and it was literally just because they didn't break down. <laughs> they were the only cars to just yeah. go through the whole thing, so their yeah. time averaged higher than the others. Yeah. And it's definitely a, a tortoise and hare scenario that if you just finish, yes, and half yeah. the pack don't, you yeah. by default have Absolutely. won <laughs> by half. Um, um, but yeah, so then did, and that was on the full Grand Prix circuit as well, which was amazing. And I was Alistair McRae's chauffeur for the weekend as well. So, pretty interesting uh, um, event then. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. you were racing and having to chauffeur someone. Well, yeah, because I was in one guest car. I was in the um, Gran Turismo uh, spon- liveried um, supported car guest car, and then there was a Dunlop liveried sort of black and yellow um, guest car as well. And Alistair McRae was in was in that one <laughs> um, at the other end of the field no, <laughs> needless yeah. to say uh, particularly in the, the the race that was in the wet on, on slicks well if anyone's um, going to be able to pilot a car with no traction well exactly it's one yeah. of the McCrae's isn't it yeah and uh, but because we were both we were both been put up in the same hotel for, for that weekend and Martin Pfaff uh, said um, oh would you would you mind um, because he's flown in um, perhaps you could give him a lift to the hotel <laughs> to ferry him around yeah exactly and did he give you any uh, driving critiques while you were going <laughs> no he was, he, he was really I mean I was nervous as anything I think and uh, um, probably more nervous about that than actually actually racing yeah because uh, well it's one to one in a in a car yeah exactly and I was you know a relatively personable person and could have you know chatted away to him but he was exactly what you think a McRae is going to to be in terms of he was constantly sort of larking around and uh instantly as well clocked the mark 5 gti you remember the big um those fantastic alloy wheels and yeah, yeah. Wheels, they, they were like um, plates with five circles exactly particularly you had the the 19s rather than the 18s i think it was it's a mad size um, wheel for a golf yeah 19s. Yeah, it, it was i think that's right wasn't it was it 18s instead of 17s I think it was 18s. Yeah, I think it was. My Toyota's got 18s, and they fill those arches pretty consistently. Um, Yeah. I'm just so used to only having 20s now. Um, But um, let's go with 18s. But they were big and eminently curbable. Yeah. And he looked at them and he was like, a bit of shame to curb them, wouldn't it? And then he'd sit there and we'd be going along a, you know, a an orbit of road and he'd get cool, quite high curbs over it and he'd reach across and just <laughs> just drink the wind <laughs> I'm saying everything he's like he's like, like nobody believe you if you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. say Alice McCray and curb my watch nobody's gonna <laughs> who's <laughs> gonna believe that story so, yeah, so just, pre-dash like, from the circuit at least once on every journey to from there he'd just go oh, oh that was close wasn't it <laughs> you must have been driving so tense just constantly in like preparation to fight against <laughs> exactly, him doing that yeah 
Oh, um, God. So, <laughs> so I, I believe you, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know, he, he, like, thankfully, no no wheels were were curbed. <laughs> was that your car, or was so. that a, a that was an Evo long term? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Because I've I've heard stories of more interesting events happening in <laughs> lone cars. Not necessarily you in lone cars, but have you had any of these interesting <laughs> any events? Of these interesting. <laughs> uh, yes, I've I've had. Well, I suppose the the most interesting one was uh, even before my career started. It could, it could have could have ended the whole motoring journalism thing um, before it ever yeah before it ever began. Because I crashed a Mitsubishi Evo Seven Extreme. Um, up at uh, Bruntingthorpe, right? Um, and it was that was an auto car. It's Chris Chilton who was working in auto car. It was his long termer um, <laughs> at the time, um, and uh, it was part of their naught to hundred to naught test. And I'd been in the office all week when I was um, there on work experience. I hadn't really done anything other than write a couple of, you know. 60 word nibs or whatever yeah um that's new, news in brief for, um for the, thank you for clarifying that, that right, yeah, i just I assumed it, it was just a thing that you yeah no no it's um uh and um yeah i hadn't really done anything at all and then chris Jordan said oh do you want to come along to um bunting thorpe and help this this test and we were driving out we filled the car up the fuel and he's he said as he got back in the car he said oh if you need to fill this up later and i didn't really hear the rest of it because i was like does this mean I'm going to drive this this thing? And I was, um, I had my, you know, my Mini Cooper was the uh, fastest thing I'd driven up to that point. Anyway, he went and picked up a, a Digitech Mercedes of some sort from Stoke Poges, I think. And then I drove the Evo the rest of the way up to um, Bruntingthorpe with the sp- the speedo was wildly overreading, uh, so it. it it was sitting there and I was following Chris and it, it was saying I was doing best part of 100 miles an hour and I, I wasn't but <laughs> trying to convince myself that I wasn't going to get yeah, yeah. caught and banned and whatever else kind of been this sort of this, that was, was that his attempt um, at cheating at the not to 100 to not because it got yeah, to yeah, not yeah. to 100 a lot quicker <laughs> yeah exactly no it's actually always used um, uh, proper timing equipment <laughs> uh, it's amazing how far out some speedos are and um but yeah, anyway, I decided to drive this thing so cautiously. Like it just felt like every time it came on boost, this thing just sort of, it was completely uncontrollable. Um, so got it there safely, parked up near the entrance gate, all done, went off, sat next to Chris, and he was you know, driving sideways all over the place in this um, Mercedes and various other things. And, and I actually said to him at one point, um, you know, where do you learn to drive like this? Do you have tuition during it's like oh well not really but you know we we have you know it's places like this are brilliant because there's nothing to hit (laughs) (laughs) is there (laughs) (laughs) um and uh we all had to go and ferry the cars from one side to the other of the airfield and i jumped back in the Mitsubishi again just because i thought it was you were i was doing by this point and again drove i remember driving very sensibly thinking a bit of standing water here you know don't Daft, get them around there. And there was one big left hander sort of onto the, the back straight, as it were. And um, I was like, come on, Henry, don't be a complete, you know, this is, you meant to, so at least, at least see what we're going to And it just crashed slightly, and, and I, it just started to understeer a bit, and I lifted off. 
and which is what you would expect. It's kind of sort of what you'd expect to do, but Evo's like it just. I was backwards before I knew wow. what had happened, which I subsequently discovered was actually pretty much what they were kind of. And obviously, if I'd known now, you think, well, it's an Evo, so you just you just stay on the throttle and you just drive through yeah. the bit of understeer and it will be absolutely fine. But obviously, I had no idea about no. any of that kind of <laughs> stuff, so I just you know backed off. You know, don't, again, not trying to do anything yeah. heroic. And then it snaps at you. Right, we went, and it was, uh, yeah, when we hit the grass, <laughs> that, that sort of, I'm watching, you just had the Canadian Grand Prix, and poor old um, Yuki Sonoda going straight on, <laughs> sort of, um, he, he just, you're not slowing down once you hit wet grass. Yeah, it, and, uh, so little friction on yeah, it. Yeah, and I went, so I went into the trees, and I was, because it's just the nature of the place to, you're going quickly, um, yeah. even if you're not, being totally stupid, you're going quickly. And, um, yeah, I went in. I remember sort of kind of coming to slightly and looking, was facing into the woods and the alarm was going off and I should stop that and then tried to start it. And then the alarm went off again. I said, oh, no, I need to do this. And then as I was trying to start again, I looked across and realised there was a massive great V in the passenger side of the, um, the car. So you'd hit um, the tree sideways? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was very lucky because if it had been the other way around. my side, then, yeah, well, it would have been... Um, you wouldn't have been a lot, a lot worse. trying to turn it back on very quickly, would you? No, no. That car stayed there for some time, though. Um, people would... Did it have a big yellow police away sticker on it for a bit? <laughs> yeah, it's going to... So they had to, uh, yeah, various people tried to sort of... It was quite funny to try and drive. It would drive, apparently. Um, I guess the... But it just crabbed and kind of... Yeah, the bend was... is in the middle, but the wheels <laughs> yeah. are all still connected. Yeah, it's like it's... a Renault 4. The wheelbase was shorter on one side than the other. <laughs> so, it just went round yeah. corners really quickly if you were going left. <laughs> um, it's probably still quicker than a Renault 4, though. Uh, but um, as yeah. a Renault 5 driver it will definitely still be quicker than a Renault 4 <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that was as you can imagine they weren't particularly happy with me and, wow um, I hope I mean, their they, first sentiment was are, are you okay yeah to be fair Chris was absolutely brilliant he was yeah it, it was um, I, it caused I think quite a few problems because I'm not sure how much I was insured actually right. doing that and it was it had all been a bit kind of you know I'll check the keys it's fine and sort of this that and the other and what um, so this was probably early 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of so. a little bit before all the current strictness of regulations yes, that we have yeah it's um, not like you were going to end up on youtube in the afternoon or anything like that and no. There's, there's no instagram stories of oh look what's happened and then all this evidence of what's going on exactly so it's, it's a little bit less stringent um, yeah and it kind of it all kind of calmed down a little bit during the Peter Robinson was there, uh, the famous um, motoring journalist um, who also now writes for uh, the Intercooler. Oh, in nice! Fact. But um, and he was, yeah. By the end of the day, he was recounting sort of you know, how he crashed a Lamborghini Diablo and they put it on the cover and uh, best-selling issue ever and all that sort of thing. So it did. It's one of those things where as soon as that initial chaos has kind of calmed, and if you're in an industry where people have all done this, and it's almost yeah. like a rite of passage. I imagine there's a little bit of a camaraderie around it where, it, as you say, it all yeah. kind of comes out the woodwork after the tears have been shed. You go, yeah. well, I did this and I did this. And and the closest I've ever had to that is I borrowed a... There's a, a company that make these mid-engined three-seated sports cars in Cambridge mm-hmm. and they've made two of them so far. And I borrowed one to go and do some press shots for mm-hmm. them. This whole scenario went completely like off the rails very quickly <laughs> within the space of about three days. But it started off really positively. And I borrowed this car and my other half 
we went to take it back. It was all down like the country lanes through Cambridge to where they build them. And she kept pulling away from me. And I'm like in this central seated like <laughs> thing that there's only two of them that exist. And it's got a 1JZ turbo Toyota <laughs> engine in the back that just wants to spool yeah. up constantly. And you go down a country lane and it's about six foot wide. And then we got there and she's like, well, you didn't go very quickly, did you? I was like, there's only two of these things. <laughs> I've never <laughs> driven those central seated cars before. I was like, tell you what, you go and jump in it and see how, much, how quickly you want to go. So well, normally you're really quick. I was like, I'm not crashing someone else's car. Because yeah. Yeah. that would have just been an absolute terrifying nightmare. Yes. Fortunately, the next time I drove it, it broke down. I didn't have to drive it again. <laughs> I was like, here's your car, not my problem anymore. Um, yeah. So my understanding of your journey into car journalism mm. is uni, work experience, auto car. Did you then work for Autocar and then Evo, or how did that all come about? No, so I did, um, yeah, university, I also entered a couple of um, sort of young motoring writer competitions, right? Um, which was good experience and just sort of it gives you, makes you think, makes you really concentrate on writing. Which is the biggest challenge, um, really. Yeah. Um, and then and I got highly commended in one of them or something like that so rinse that for all it was worth in terms of um trying to leverage um access and, and work experience um and yeah then work experience at evo whilst i was at university for a, for a week uh then the following year it was work experience at autocar crashed the car um and then yeah graduated thought about joining the army decided not to um <laughs> And thought, well, I'll give this motoring journalism thing a a crack because I didn't have a gap year before university, so I thought, well, perhaps I could kind of give myself at least six months yeah. leeway, sort of you know, do odd jobs and see what I could see if I could make the motoring journalism thing work. And I dropped into the Evo offices and handed them my CV and portfolio of stuff I'd written because I'd I'd sort of made myself motoring editor of the the university. Uh, newspaper and the student rag and the saint um not that they needed a, a motoring <laughs> correspondent but i'm guessing you um, went to uni around here then if it was called the saint uh no it was i went to st andrews up in scotland oh so, right okay because um, there's st andrews hospital in northampton <laughs> as well and the northampton rugby team is called because yeah. we've just moved to northamptonshire and we keep seeing they look like little basketball players with halos and i think uh, they're rugby players with halos yeah and we're like I've not yeah. seen these before, and there's a, a Range Rover up the road that's got N Saints as the number plate, yeah. and it's been puzzling me and puzzling me, and then the other day I came across the, uh, it's the rugby team is called yeah, the Saints. Yeah, it's called the Saints, yeah. I was like, it finally all makes sense, these yeah, exactly. weird little like haloed <laughs> rugby players, but they're like proper metal badges on the back of people's cars. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's they're really, just... like, really thrown me off, because I've never seen it for any other sporting team or anything it'd be great if the um if the manager or head coach or whatever kind of drove around in the p1800 and volvo wouldn't it so, um but uh yeah maybe it'd be too niche for some people but so um, uni up in scotland then so university up in scotland yep so uh which meant i could um flag my way in as a as a, a, a journalist to go and watch races at knock hill and stuff like that um did you get any fun. trips over onto the west coast uh, I did, yeah, because we used to. So the way St Andrews worked was it was um, we get four years at university up in Scotland for the start, which is great. Uh, but you have three terms and two semesters, right? Uh, so there was this with so you'd come back after Christmas and do exams, and then there would be a, a sort of a two week gap 
um, or week and a half or whatever, depending on where your exams fell, uh, before the next semester started. So there was a sort of gap within, a, within a term. Yeah. Um, Almost like was, a half term in school. It kind of, yeah. It, so it always fell, uh, I think, in sort of end of January, February sort of time, uh, when, of course, nobody really wants to go to the West Coast or you know, go on holiday kind of generally in, in the UK. Uh, so you could you could rent pretty much your choice of places. You certainly rent somewhere within student budget yeah. uh, for you know, eight of you or whatever to go and all pile in. Airbnb before Airbnb. Yeah, so we had, a, had an amazing holiday for a week uh, up on Sky, uh, just above the Talisker Distillery. Um, Very nice. Midwinter. It was an old school, and uh, so there was a sort of games room next door and you know, stoke the fire up and stuff. and. Um, and I remember driving the Mini. That was my first experience of the West Coast uh, in my little red Mini with a white roof. Well, that's a um, really good car to experience those yeah. roads in, though, because yeah. it's it's one of those where you kind of have to keep your foot in to keep your momentum. Yeah. And those roads are brilliant for momentum cars. Like I did the the North Coast 500 in the 86 mm. before it was modified and ruined, effectively, according to a friend of mine. <laughs> and... There was myself and a friend who also had an 86. So we yeah. had two identical cars, which makes for a lot of fun because yeah. it, it then becomes a driver comparison, <laughs> not a car comparison. And we did a similar thing. It was like we stayed in little lodges or B&Bs and stuff for as minimal amount of money as we could and just absolutely loved every second of driving because it was such good, wide like B-roads, effectively, mm-hmm. But it's quiet enough that you don't have to constantly be looking for gaps to pass each other yeah. cars or things like that. We had this little like cat and mouse with a must have been a seventies Volkswagen camper van. Mm. So we'd catch them and absolutely blitz off. Mm-hmm. And then we'd stop at a nice scenic spot for a photo and then we'd hear a little toot <laughs> and a wave as they came past. <laughs> and about half an hour later we'd catch them again. And we must have done that for about two hundred miles across two days, just to <laughs> constantly back and forth to this yeah. lovely little camper but i imagine a mini's probably up there in one of the most fun cars that you could do it in for yeah. the pure amount of right i've got to chuck it in here and yeah like exactly. grit your teeth and hold on to it yeah it was just yeah it was brilliant i i loved it lovely little gearbox in it and um it was on the smallest wheels you could get with the biggest tires and, um, uh, exactly so it was it was uh yeah i loved that that car and did, did a lot of miles in it and they're it great little things though yeah again and it was, i just remember it was optimax at the time but sort of you know if i got if i earned enough in um working in the the bar in the bar theater or wherever it was um you know bung a tenner of optimax in there which can get you a lot further than it would these days yeah, for sure <laughs> i think a tenner um, will get me to the end of the road and there were some really good roads um in in fife that i could go out and have a quick blast around in the middle. Those are the the moments where you can't you you almost learn how to not necessarily drive, but you learn how to feel a car and yeah. feel a road. And you a small, simple car with not a lot of power yeah. leads to a lot more kind of development as a driver. Mm. And everything's relative because at the time it felt you know it felt like a really quick car. So yeah, yeah. Sort of that's I had no real you know, experience of anything. I used to grow up driving old MGs occasionally or passengering an old MG so you know the Mini felt um, really quick yeah, see I, I was spoiled because my dad had a Porsche Turbo oh there you go you, see, yeah. so <laughs> you, you lose all <laughs> sense yeah. of speed when you've when you've gone from arguably one of the, it was one of the quickest cars at the time aside from your like hypercar level stuff yeah there's not it's 
not many other cars passing around the 200 mark. Mm. And because of my dad's any driver insurance policy, I was his pub taxi. And so at 18, it was, oh, can you pick us up? I'll bring the Porsche. It's like, (laughs) okay, well, I've got a half hour to kill. (laughs) What shall we do? And uh, going from that to a 998cc Mini, it was a real kind of, right, we have to learn how to drive without any power. And hopefully keep your foot in and well, fortunately they're like a go-kart but yeah. uh, I remember the first time I drove that on my own I pulled onto a slip road booted it had never driven a car with a turbo mm. never mind two and by the time I could pull my head back down I was at 130 I was like oh crap 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 I don't know if I'm going to die someone's going to see me I'm going to crash I'm going to break my dad's car um, and then the first time the back end ever kicked out was like almost 10 years later in Spain mm. <laughs> on the <laughs> south coast we, we took it down there my dad and my stepmom got married out there you know, like going around a roundabout and it was a little bit slippery yeah booted it at the wrong time and absolutely shit myself <laughs> 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 which is what happens when you don't know how to drive a powerful car yes. um, yeah yeah so from uni bit of a gap and yeah not too much of a gap actually because I I you say I'd graduated and then I was going climbing the Peak District with my cousin and dropped into uh, Evo's offices and it was it was just a lot of it was it's one of those situations where you really do make your own luck because I bothered to divert off and go and drop into them yeah but I was very lucky that it just so happened the whole sort of sale with uh, Dennis Publishing had yeah. taken place which obviously I didn't know about or have a clue about but it meant that Richard Meaden was going freelance and um, right. Jethro was sort of moving up in the world because he'd been there for four years I suppose at that point so it was it was all just, just shifting around and changing there was a, this definite sort of gaps gap became... for somebody to make the tea and coffee at the bottom end of it all to kind of which is wild how that's how it all starts back um, in the day isn't it yeah, someone to make yeah, the tea yeah, and yeah. coffee and then they get a chance to write little bits and then that, yeah, that grows yeah and that was you know I did Peter Tomlin you know said well come and do a work experience for a month which was way more than I was expecting and I knew that if they wanted somebody for a month then it was probably a show was, there was a job there available so it was up to me not to screw it up and yeah and I was it, it's like so many things you 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 hear about sort of people say, oh, it's about being a people person. You think, well, how on earth you drive cars for a living and kind of sitting on your own? How do you need to be a people person? But in so many jobs, you know, it was trying not to just be totally overawed by the situation that I was in because, you know, sitting there with it's these people. Evil, that, yeah, they're, they're my absolute <laughs> heroes. This, yeah. is, this is a, you know... Um, absolute dream come true and I, I wanted to work there it was my dream job as we said earlier and I still can't quite at times <laughs> when I think back to it it's it's sort of kind yeah, of yeah. goosebumps not the I, I almost didn't care about the driving of the car just to sit in the passenger seat of things or see things turn up in the car park and be around and those people be around those people yeah. get to hear the stories or be even vaguely involved in sort of planning the odd feature or things like that it was just absolutely that's such a dream job though isn't it yeah yeah and and i very quickly realized that you know you don't you think right well how can i how can i be useful so proofreading is is one definitely because when you're sitting there on deadline um and actually and being good enough to to pick up on things or question things not everything but just sort of um 
you know know when think right well is that a typo or is it yeah is that spec actually actually right um and um then and then i say make make tea and coffee because what do people want when it's you know late at night on a friday yeah, yeah. so you stand up and say who like tea or coffee yeah and i didn't drink tea or coffee at the time well you're drinking um, water now i drink water now exactly <laughs> i drink i drink coffee so i don't drink tea really but um because you turned um, down the offer of a coffee <laughs> i have a proper coffee machine i know i've had two today already though, right so okay kind of, if you don't want me talking at five million miles an hour then That's i figured okay. it was probably best i have to, that tolerance to, to, to limit now. the caffeine just a, just a little bit i've had my own yeah had my caffeine for for today um but, i'm not um, offended i promise <laughs> Um, it took me three months to get that coffee <laughs> <laughs> DeLonghi broke my DeLonghi one broke and then they failed to collect it for three months oh. and eventually I badgered them enough that they just sent me another one <laughs> <laughs> right, just leave us alone please go away um, but, yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah so I made lots of tea and coffee and washed lots of cars and did all that and, I mean um, there's worse ways to make a living I suppose absolutely yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and then they after about three months caved in and um, made me staff writer or asked I think Peter Tomlin actually asked me what I wanted my job title to be he said have a what think about what job do you want and you're like oh editor <laughs> yeah, exactly. please yeah he said have, we'll have, we'll have, you, know, you can have a think about the job title and um, I instantly said staff writer because I knew that's what Jethro had been and what it was it was that was the that was the, the role the that was what I that's what I was aiming for was yeah. staff writer at Evo magazine I hadn't thought beyond that in my life sort of thing so well funny um, enough I was I was chatting to um a lady who works for the publishing company behind Magneto. Okay, yeah. I was down at the the Savile Row thing, mm. um, which was on my birthday, funny enough. Oh. And she was very kind enough to indulge me in some conversation. <laughs> As a complete stranger, uh, just wandered over and went, you work for the publishing company? I'd like to talk to you, please. <laughs> she, was, she was very polite, considering the circumstances. Um, and she'd said a similar thing, that it was, it was like a, the people that write, they go into that industry to be creative and to write. They don't expect to be then managing people or managing <laughs> staff or having to make decisions based on performance and things like that. And it becomes a, you find that you get some very good writers and you get some very good managers and those two people aren't normally within the same <laughs> body. And it, it's probably quite rare that you find someone that is a very good creative writer that has good creative vision and direction, but is also very, kind of office politically sound because mm-hmm. they inherently aren't two connected pieces. No. It's probably no. quite few and far between where you get someone that's inept at both yeah. without sacrificing either. And you have to be sort of, I think it's uh, one of those curious things, it is uh, you're, you're working with photographers uh, mm. or videographers now, I see in my um, case a lot of the time. Um, and that's quite a, you're usually in a, relatively um sort of slightly stressful or high pressure situation a lot of the time particularly you've got not a lot of um time to get the the footage or whatever um and And a million pound supercar that needs to go somewhere else the next day exactly and you know you're trying to find a road that's actually hasn't got roadworks on it or you know the the track that's um going to let you do more than two laps or, or what whatever it is so you have to it's why you know i really appreciate the job that that they do and you have to know when to be helpful when to step back what's what they're going to want you to get involved in uh, all these things it's just sort of and um yeah so many jobs are 
people yeah much it's, more it's people orientated than you, you ever think aren't there i think oh 100 percent. like some of the different bit like i've worked in sales which is obviously 100 percent people orientated mm. and i've worked in like just, i run a warehouse and it's surprising how much engagement you have to have with other mm. people to make anything work yeah like a colleague of mine english isn't his first language and the way he interacts with say volkswagen when we have a van that needs sorting mm. he's always like oh they're really crap there they never get anything sorted and i'm like well let me let me talk to them and i'll talk to them with mm. the british sensibilities and with my ability to kind of sweet talk and <laughs> all that kind of stuff and i'm always like oh it's, it's fine they're so sorted he's like how do you do that i'm like you kind of have to know what they want out of the situation and you try and explain it to him he's like i haven't got time for that i just need the van fixing i was like well then you're going to hit a lot more roadblocks yeah but you don't expect to have to think about those things when you go, this is a warehouse, there's all this stock that needs to go from here to there. Mm. You don't think I've got to sweet talk the girl at Volkswagen <laughs> as part of that job. Right. And I know, uh, I can't remember, either a podcast or a YouTube video or something where they were talking about, can you remember the Chris Harris on Cars with the P1 mm-hmm. at, is it Yas Marina? Yes, yeah. And it was, I think it was either one of the videographers or the photographer that was there. And they were saying like one of the best things about working with him was his ability to go, right, what shot are you aiming for? Where do we need the car? Where do we need it positioned? Like what angle do you need the wheel? Yeah. And just getting kind of in the mindset with the, the people making the shots and going, right, what do you need from me as a tool rather than I'm this personality, I'm big dick on set kind of thing. It's like, no, I'm facilitating having that thing in that space, looking how yeah. we need it to look. And I think having an understanding of that really helps especially for the likes of the videos that you guys are making yeah. where it's like right we're a team and we need to create this visually it's mm. let's leave the egos at the door and work on building this project yeah. and as i am very new into behind the scenes in the car world it's really interesting the more that you get involved in mm. these sort of things because mm. you find so much about how stuff comes together that you would have no idea of no. if you didn't have in some way like engage with it like i um I was up at the Haggerty Hill climb at Shelsley. Oh, yes. And I bumped yeah. into one of your guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Car Fiction was up there. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I remember he was in a bloody Mitsubishi <laughs> Shogun or a Pajero or something like that. Because he was, he was telling us about his, uh, his family's restaurant that wasn't that far away. Mm. Oh, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I'm really sorry if he hears this that I've forgotten his name. I can remember cars or dogs, just never yeah. people's names. Um, but it was really, really interesting watching those guys work and all the different ways that they were lining up shots and what they were engaging yeah. with and where they were positioning themselves and the very, very mediocre, tiny amounts of video stuff that I attempt to do. The more that you play around with it, the more that you learn how to aim for the different kind of perspectives and the different, yeah. oh, it's probably going to come from that angle and all that sort of stuff and how you build like a storyline in your head as you're taking shots. Yes. And you yeah. get that, oh, this could lead into this, which could lead into this. It's one of the fun parts about being creative in the industry, really. Yes. And I imagine you find a lot of that with your writing. Uh, different things flow into different places, or do you just go, right, yes. I want to tell this story, and you get typing away and see how it goes? No, I, 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 I have to have a... I have to. I, it's, it's much nicer if you've got a um, something in your head in terms of the, the flow mm. of it. Um and you know where it's roughly going to to go. Um, doesn't always happen like that, but uh, I think it's probably helped me as well 
in terms of making the the videos because it's, it's almost like storyboarding you, you, exactly yeah you, you storyboard in your head and um have a a sort of a, an idea for for where it's all going to um or at least have an idea of where it's going to start and beginning, <laughs> beginning in the middle i'm not very good at ends but um, they usually get made up um well, that, that's always the challenge, but it's finding the right point to stop, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, I don't. You know, I'm not. I've said it before, but I don't prejudge cars, so I'm not going into it with a conclusion in mind because that would be unfair. Really, yeah, it would be unfair, and it's um, even if you uh, turn out to be right, that's that's fine. But you don't want to. You have that confirmation um, bias. If yeah, you have it, those and it still might not be the, the the thing you thought was going to be. Mm. The, the most important thing might not turn out to be and so you don't want you, know, you, you end up missing out giving weight to something else that's um, that's an interesting more yeah. crucial so uh, yeah it's, it's um, so do you because obviously writing is the thing that you've spent most of your working career doing mm. when you sit down to do a piece do you effectively go right I want to do this 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 and this and then you fill that space in between those points? Or do you go, right, I'm going to write my opening, and then I'm going to figure out how that will flow into something else? Like, do you have segments kind of in your head at, yeah. as part of a plan? Um, this is a, someone whose only piece of writing you very kindly looked at and ended up on <laughs> Evo's site. That's, that's it, I've, I've ended my writing career at no, once. It's much easier to sit there and be critical of other people's <laughs> writing. Um, I tend to... I've, quite big on the opening for for something that's mm. that's where i i like to have a good a good intro that yeah. kind of grabs people's attention or comes from a slightly slightly different angle so it's not that, just a back in 1967 yeah which, which works right? sometimes you're just going to find and it might lead in something else but but yeah it's uh and i'll know you'll know from the you know the word count will inform a certain amount of it so if i've got three thousand words to write well you can be a bit more relaxed and you know you've got time to be more florid about you know the way the copper beach looks in the sunlight and the evening or whatever it is <laughs> throw um, a few more similes exactly in there. yeah um whereas if you've only got 700 words and you've got a driven of a new car to do well actually there's not a lot of room you know you might have a sentence for your intro and then you're straight into yeah. giving essentially the information that people want to know because as you're saying it's like it's the as you said it's not just the people that you work with or you can see that you're you know working with it's it's that whole massive unseen um audience yeah. out there and you've you've got to have i don't i don't know my audience um other than in um you know I, i'd hate the to YouTube judge them comments. from exactly yeah <laughs> youtube comments or um the youtube algorithm that tells me that you know the average person is whatever but you you so I don't think of sort of an average person that I'm writing for. Yeah. Um, I think because I still find it odd that if I thought about it too much, I probably would You're like, oh my God, just, walk away I can't and just do hide this. in the corner and, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> shake or something like that. Uh, but it's um, you have to have your audience in, in mind fairly. Obviously, from a point of view now that I'm freelance, am I writing for Evo and that particular audience where there's a certain amount of um, you know, assumed knowledge perhaps um, with that audience as opposed to somewhere else where... Uh, Maybe like Top Gear magazine hasn't got quite as an in-depth knowledge because the average kind yeah. of passing car yeah, enthusiast exactly. might engage with that a little bit more as it's yeah. a little bit less kind of specific. Yeah, exactly. I used to have to write for um, Auto Express occasionally sort of when I was at Evo because they were 
um, sister magazines through the publishing house and um, if they there might be only room for one person on the launch in the latter days so you'd write for both of them but you'd write obviously completely different um, articles and the things you'd mentioned in each one were um, <laughs> some of this crossover but you'd talk about it in different different ways well the last the thing that one magazine wants is to read their article in the sister magazine as well <laughs> you use that one over there so yeah, exactly. i'm only one guy i'm really sorry <laughs> so how did you go from writing in magazines to car fiction then how did that come about uh so so with evo i started doing the the film stuff at evo right um which was something that i initially really didn't want to do um, because, like I kind of said before, it. it was kind of well. No, I wasn't forced into it, um, and you know, plenty of guys at Evo didn't really or dabble, but then didn't haven't really gone on to do a great, great deal. John Barker doesn't really do any any film stuff, and um, Richard Meaden doesn't do a great deal these days, which is, is a shame, really, because he's obviously phenomenally talented. And, yeah, um, but um, it's um, I felt like. I I sort of felt like I had to, I think. Right. Because I thought that this was at a time when um, it's been proved otherwise now, as I said, but it felt like magazines were going to be uh, superseded by the iPad. Mm. Uh, because when that came out, everybody was predicting that that it was, was all it digital for, media yep. and that's all that was going to happen. Yeah, paper magazines, they're not going to be here. So I was like, right, well, if I want a career, then I probably should you know, look at this video yeah, thing. I think that's how Chris Harris on Cars happened as well, isn't it? it probably is, yeah. Mm, just um, this, right, we've got to be digitally yeah. connected. Um, and so I started doing it there, and it was really when um, Sam Riley came on board at Evo, and he and I hit it off straight away in terms of, like, I had this idea of the sort of, if I'm going to do it, this is what I want to make. And I used to you, know, you watch the, the skiing videos or uh, mountain bike videos at the time. And they all seem to be really, all of them, a lot of them are really nicely produced and yeah. beautiful and show the landscape. And and I was just, and car videos weren't really doing a lot of that at the time. It was, it was. They weren't as cinematic in no, that regard. And, and I didn't really understand why they shouldn't like, be here is underneath because, the bonnet here is inside the car here's yeah. the back here's the front here's the side exactly they were you know relatively prosaic and that's fine but evo wasn't that sort of magazine yeah and i felt if we were going to produce content then it ought to reflect the magazine and and, and if you if you have a you imagine opening up evo and you have that lovely picture spread or that lovely opening spread of a whatever something in the welsh countryside exactly yes and it puts you both in the car but also in the place yeah and that's what i wanted the films to do and it's what sam wanted to do as well so um we were sort of kind of went above and beyond sort of i suppose to try and do that because we wanted to make stuff that we were really proud of and and that's where we were you telling stories as well what you do in those it's not just a here is the new m5 it has mm. eight million horsepower and it goes this quickly it's yeah. a car in the scenery you get almost like a more emotional connection to mm. it and it really showcases the the passion that comes along with the cars rather than just it will go this quickly and it looks yeah. like this and it costs this much which is obviously why it's been so well received um 
Thank you. That's okay. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, There's uh, not many people that are doing it to that kind of standard without being a TV production. And even Petrolicious has kind of tailed off yeah. somewhat in their offerings because that was the big draw for them was mm. this is so-and-so with his one-of-one one Lamborghini from 1967. Yeah. This is the story. This is the emotion. Here it mm. is around some lovely Italian roads. Yeah you're now in this world with them rather mm. than just seeing what it is. And I think that's what you guys are really capturing so br- like brilliantly is the audience is with you on this story. Yeah, They're not just seeing what you've done. They're, they're experiencing a lot of the trip, the scenery, the, the noise, mm. the, not necessarily the smell. Not there yet. Um, but there's a lot no, of that. You can describe that as well. Yeah, it's yeah. something you always it's try and think here. about. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, you're, but you're absolutely right. And it was something that sort of thing came from the writing side of it. You know, it's yeah. sort of, and I could, and I, I've always maintained that the, the magazine side of things, and I said it before, but the, um, I thought magazines are sort of the print version of videos because you've got the words and the photos working together, and you'd always think, right, what when I'm describing everything mm. through the, the words, you know, you've got the, the visuals, but that's static. So, right, how do you bring the speed into your writing? How do you bring the, um, like I say, the smells, the sights, the sounds? You've got to bring all of that there. Some of that, now, obviously, in the video, yeah. it's a case of show, don't tell. Um, yeah. But that... equally, smell is something like we can't. So you do have to sort of think if there's a particular smell then it's it's nice and it brings the audience into the like say into the film it so. includes the immersion aspect yeah. doesn't it like there's a probably a large portion of your videos where you're like i'm just going to be quiet now and let yeah. you listen to this car go through these hills yeah because we don't always need to be talking no, <laughs> through exactly. a video yeah. whereas obviously with a, a written article there's no gaps <laughs> it's yeah. not like you can have a little bit of a i'm going to leave you alone for two minutes and yeah. then see you at the next bit of the page yeah but it's it's really like great to hear that that's how it was always meant to be as well. Like it comes from a place of passion mm. and design and almost like an emotional connection and not, how do we get the most views? Oh, we'll tell <laughs> a really nice story. That'll get lots of eyeballs on it. It's yeah. right. How do we want to present what we do and what do we want to attach our names to at the end of the day? I think it's a, yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's a case of, right, well, if that's what I want to see, then you hope that other people will want to see it too yeah um and that's how i design t-shirts that's the only reason that i make t-shirts and hoodies is well i'd probably wear these i imagine someone else would like to and if i'm going to design something it might be something (laughs) that i'm happy to wear yeah otherwise what's the bloody point yeah yeah um so yeah and i've been very lucky that again there was a brief hiatus with um uh drive tribe um that every time that comes up in conversation with Mm. no matter who it is so one of my friends used to be a writer on drive tribe and other people that i've encountered have had dealing it seems to be this weird little black hole that appears (laughs) and then it's like well that happened and we'll we'll keep moving (laughs) um but i was i was again when i was made redundant from there um they you know carfection came along and um Alex Goy, who obviously started at XCAR, he'd moved across to uh, Motor One, and so they were sort of presenterless at the at the time. And and I was lucky that they were 
Uh, I knew Charlie was working there, who's the video producer. And again, it was like, like working with Sam. I, I knew straight away that Charlie had that sort of idea of this is what we want to yeah. make. And they had the budget to allow us to go and do it, which was fantastic. So, yeah. It's That's amazing. Because um, I imagine with something like the content that you guys create, it has to have started with money to then get the yeah. right content to build the audience. Like, yeah. It's not like me and my iPhone wandering around. <laughs> hoping that I then get enough people interested that it will eventually lead to funding, making better videos. It's, yeah. it's got to have come with some backing to start with and with this plan of, right, we need to make these videos to get X amount of views, to get X amount of mm. subscribers that leads to YouTube giving us X amount <laughs> in ad revenue for it to then self-sustain. Yes. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm always bemused by how these things happen. <laughs> it's like, who's having this conversation? Right, we're going to make a YouTube channel. And we're going to get all these followers and then it's going to make us some money. And it's like, oh, that sounds like a sound investment. Let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah. It must be uh, such a, like a tense conversation at the start. Yes. I think sort of, when you look at the YouTube channels out there, the, the car ones, and, and most of them have probably come from a certain amount of backing to start with or, or say, born out of a, um, yeah, they, they have to have, some money and, and generally there's other things going on as well other than just the the youtube channel for them and it was carfection was um great because it was cnet uh, at the time it was owned by uh cbs then viacom cbs when there was the merger so that's the world's largest broadcasting yeah. corporation and when you kind of bring it all the way back to carfection you know you hope you're a, you're a pixel on the final so point small. of a spreadsheet that yeah. actually although we in the car world the films cost probably more money to make than a lot of um them although probably not as much as people would some people would think if that makes yeah sense but um i think some people have the perception that you buy every car that's in the video They're yeah. like, these books cost millions you're like oh, we, we give them back <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's a lot of it was done in you know we've done in a single day shoot or whatever yeah. and and we've been very lucky that the, the the cameras and the equipment and stuff have improved so much um Certainly, since Sam and I were first doing it, and, and the, the drones and things, and that if you have oh, people that know incredible. how to use them, I wouldn't profess I can I can understand obviously from home being around it what shots we might be able to get and create, but um, but yeah, the videographers, the likes of um, Glenn, who I would do a lot of stuff with now, um, it's great because you can have these conversations, and they're they're so talented at getting the shots and making it look like television. Yeah. Like a lot of the time, or um, oh, it's incredible how accessible it's become, isn't it? Like, so yeah. um, Liam and Jared from the Backroads TM, they've mm. now got a trademark, so uh, I Liam. have to say that, otherwise they'll have a moan at me. <laughs> um, that's two guys that do it on their, yeah. their weekends. Every so often they rope me into it to strap myself to the back of a car and hold a camera <laughs> and stuff like that. But the, the quality, and it's real credit to Liam's editing ability, Yeah the quality is so high that you wouldn't think it was two guys, a couple of grand's worth of cameras that they've had for five years yeah. and some mates hanging out the back of an E46 mm. touring. You'd think it had been done, not it's not properly, but properly, so to speak. Yeah. And then if you take that and kind of keep going up that scale to where you guys are, it's no wonder that it looks like it's such a super high production, <laughs> which obviously it is, but it's not a six Range Rovers and a TV crew. It's, no. it's a much smaller team than you'd expect when, when you actually do meet the team. You're like, 
oh, there's only four of you. <laughs> <laughs> and most are just two of us. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's, kind of... it's like you and one guy with a camera yeah. out in Wales or something like that. Yeah. But it, it's it's really inspiring, especially for anyone that has hopes of getting into the industry in some regard, that it is now getting more accessible if you are willing to put the time and the effort into mm. utilise the tools to their full capacity. You can make good, high-level quality content and you don't necessarily need big funding to do so. You need mm. to have a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of dedication and hopefully enough drive to get the ball rolling towards the bigger opportunities. Like I know their guys, or those guys' kind of goal is to hopefully get towards some form of sponsorship mm. to help improve the content they can create. Yeah, Because you hit the, the barrier of, well, I've only got two cars, or I've only got one car, and I've done everything to it, and I've driven it everywhere. What do I do now? Yeah. And fortunately, they've got some friends that have different cars, so... I get involved and Mike who runs the cafe that we do coffees and cars, he's now getting involved and mm. you start to make friends in different circles and you come up with new ideas. But for anyone that's aspiring to get into the automotive world in that kind of fashion, it's so much more accessible these days. Yeah. Oh, it's phones. Yeah. So many people have well, got my phone a, got will shoot 4K so. 60 frames per second. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's it's, it's, more technologically advanced than half the stuff from 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we started, we were still putting the tapes in the side of the cameras and yeah. um, and, and doing all that. And now that's just a, a filter kind of, on Instagram. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary what you can produce with um, with a with a phone. Um, uh, it's mad. Like, so I do just as a more of a this is what it's like to be within the car world kind of thing. Whenever I go to a shows and events, I'll do like little walk arounds and try and get some element of creativity into it. And I've not been able to do them for the last three months. I've done the videos, I just haven't been able to spend the time to because mm. it's just me. And I've had a couple of people go, When's the next one coming out? It's really <laughs> nice to just see what you're like to be at an event that I couldn't go to or to go to a show or it's nice for people to to see those things. Yeah. And it adds a real like satisfaction like oh i should probably put more effort into that if people actually enjoy what you do mm. so i imagine for you when you've got the likes of me going that was a really good video and then <laughs> eight million other people going there's a really good video. <laughs> like, right i've got to do well on the next one otherwise they're going to be so disappointed yeah yeah there's definitely an element of having created a, a rod for your own back with um just keep setting that bar higher yeah. and higher and it's which is is good in some ways because you don't want to stagnation you keep pushing yourself to do better it's you have to we have to sometimes recognize when you're not going to be able to yeah hit the absolute highs that you really want to or sort of accept right this, this video is going to be shorter or it's not going to be as um you know beautifully crafted as we we might want and and you know i've probably got a bit better at going with the flow on that sort of thing um but yeah, another time. And other times, it just doesn't doesn't work, and you feel like you're sitting there desperately trying to come up with the idea or the sort of the, what are you going to do this time to make it yeah. interesting or different. There's a few um, of my t-shirts of the month that have come from those moments. I'm like, oh crap, this needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, pull a bloody idea out your head and yeah. crack on with it. Yeah. But I imagine you find kind of more than you'd expect that you actually come up with something more outside the box than you'd have originally done in those moments? Um, 
Yes, I, I think I enjoy the and the launch is the, the classic example. You you get flown somewhere um, different, which is great because you instantly got a different location to go at and there could be there'll be things you haven't seen before so as long as you keep your eyes open then there'll be something that you can um, riff off as it, as it were yeah. but you do have to think on your feet and it's all um, improvised really isn't it it's a, yeah a lot of it it's almost like you've been the bag's been pulled off your head go you know like, oh, yeah <laughs> yeah and you can come up with a um an idea beforehand which will sort of you, you think okay well this can we try and do that? And you look at Google Maps or the hotel or whatever. Um, but it, a lot of the time, you have to you have to don't don't ever get too wedded to that yeah. kernel of an idea that you've had because a bit like the sort of you know not prejudging the car. If you you can end up trying to force something mm. which is just just not going to work. So whereas yeah, you've yeah. got a lovely view over there, actually let's just make that. And if we do this shot, then suddenly and i can put a line of voice over it afterwards which suddenly makes people go oh this is kind of oh that's um, amazing great. well it's kind of yeah exactly rather than you know sweating for an hour to get this shot that doesn't really work anyway and yeah. people go oh well it's kind of i sort of see what he's getting so yeah you have to think on your feet which i which i love it's quite stressful and it's certainly but i imagine that's probably the exciting like i know driving nice cars quickly is quite exciting but in terms of a professional sense that's probably the the excitement rush that you get when that all comes together and the stakes are high but the the payoff is high kind of thing yes yeah it, it's very much i've always i say always I, yeah i have always loved the the writing and the creative side of the job um you know, I, I got into it because i love cars and you love yeah, reading yeah. about cars and you like the, the cars are the thing but i think the probably the longer my career has gone on the, the even more satisfaction i've got from um coming out of it with content that i feel proud of um and, and it sort of feels weird to go somewhere now and actually almost just enjoy a car and not, yeah, not yeah. feel like you can you know, i've got to come back with something i've got to write it for this or do it and actually sometimes you have to just just think just no, be just, a car enthusiast for a exactly, bit exactly just just enjoy it which um which is it's interesting like so i get a certain bit of that obviously i've not been doing the car world stuff for very long so i'm still everything is new and exciting there's a certain amount of because i run meets and because i go to events to trade if i go to a car show just to be around cars there's a certain amount of oh, it's quite nice to be present mm. not have to have any thinking around you know, who do i need to speak to here or yeah. how many t-shirts do i have to sell to cover the cost of being here yeah. or what person have i got to kind of make sure they're okay while they're just a, like oh this is actually why i enjoy cars <laughs> it's quite yeah. a nice thing but i imagine you have those opportunities less so because of who you are. Being at those events often inherently comes with people going, oh my God, you're that guy. And then you're like, I've got to have my question ready all the time. <laughs> no, I don't sort of, I don't, sorry, I don't or like, and thankfully I'm not, you know, not recognised that, that much. So I can, I can still... You can still sneak into a car that. show. Exactly, I can. Because um, I've been with Alex Goy at, say, Caffeine and Machine, for example. And he kind of has to be Alex Goy all the time. Yeah. There's not very many opportunities for him to kind of not be the Alex Goy that people expect. Mm. And I've always found it interesting to be around him 
or anybody that's quite well known, so for example, um, Harry Metcalf at Vista, mm. that even though it's their passion, not your passion, there's still an amount of expectation that you kind of, there's not a disingenuousness, but there's a kind of, you've got a certain amount of barrier or guard ready mm. for being approached or ready for having a stranger come up to you that you don't know, but they know you. Yeah. And I imagine it, that's probably one of the challenging parts that people don't realise comes with being kind of known. Yeah, I suppose it's... Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's... Um, I suppose I know it's going to happen yeah. now, and it doesn't really bother me that much. So I, I can sort of... You can... I, I am who I am. I'm not, I'm not somebody that different on camera I, I mumble a lot more as you can probably hear on the podcast um than i do on camera at least i can edit that out to, to make <laughs> yeah this doesn't get edited more, by the way more professional it's fine um I so threw alex a curveball by doing it on zoom <clears> telling <throat> him that the video was going up and he was in a um star wars wookie um dressing gown excellent he's like what you didn't tell me that i was like ah it's all right it won't go <laughs> it's fine i've still uh, got the video i might sneak it out one day <laughs> should do it. um but yeah i you know I am who I am, and and that's 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 it. So I suppose, yeah, it's it's um, going back to the, the whole uh, the just enjoying the cars and the sort of the the, the being present and things like that. Um, it's those moments are the ones that kind of probably happen off camera. It's, it's ironically they're the moments you're trying to create for camera. Um, I was going to cough. Thing, sorry. <coughs> so um, one sip of the Northampton water. <coughs> exactly. I've been through a Brita filter. Oh. Everything. That's how you feel for free. Do you want me to turn the but, fan uh, off? Because that'll be blowing no, from that it's, side. It's, fine, it's all good. Um, but yeah, the, the moments that. Yeah, it's when I particularly remember there was a film we did um, on Mallorca and we're sitting there and it's the end of a. Damn, so we had a long drive to do and stuff like that, but there's a time lapse going on. He's sitting there with Dean, who's doing the photo, Sam, who's doing the filming, um, and you're just sitting there. And there's a car, and there's a sunset. And there's nothing else to do, and other than think, this is this is amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely sort of you know, here we are. We're all friends as well as you know work colleagues, mm. um, but isn't this? How cool is it? You know, this is the sunset. dream. This is just, just the dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by that point, because a lot of what we do, you know, we try to get to the roads early in the morning or late in the evening or stay late in the day to get the best light. And that's the thing when generally everybody else has gone home. So you've got these pl- amazing places effectively to yourself. Mm. And then you've got the, the drive. It's been said plenty of times before, but the sort of, you know, the Evo car of the year or the Carfection shoot that you know, you're driving back to the hotel when you, all the cameras have been turned off. And that's the drive that you enjoy is really lodged in my, yeah, in my yeah. brain. And that's so you do get to experience. I imagine that must have peaked when you did the F1 GT1 AMG GTR, whichever variant of that, the CLK GTR. Um, the, yeah, the, so, the yeah, so okay, GCR, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. trio. Um, I imagine those drives back to the hotel or back to give the car to whoever. Yeah, was I mean that was that away. was all done at Millbrook, so that was the, I didn't really get those. Was none of that out so on public much. roads then? No, because from I think it was the Porsche. There was a bit that seemed like it was like a country lane 
in the Welsh countryside. Mm. You're like, it's a bit damp and it's a bit screwy. I was like, what an absolute <laughs> legend for like, not going, right, we're not doing that. I'm not writing this thing off in the rain. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a stressful day at, um, at Millbrook on the hill route, which is... Um, I've never been to Millbrook. So um, like, yeah, it was the hill route, which can look, which is great because it can what you want it to mimic it, it a got me. country road. So um, as it, um, hence them using it in various films, including um, Bond film. Um, Casino Royale, where he rolled the yeah, which um, is an annoying well. scene because no Aston Martin's <clears throat> going to roll that many times <laughs> on its own. Um, but um, uh, yeah, that was that was quite a quite a shoot, and again, a lot of pressure to not a lot of time in the car, so you've really got to think. Yeah, you know, you've got three laps of the hill route to do your pieces to camera and, and know exactly what you're going to. Not exactly what you're going to say, but ha- just have a, at least a few facts you can hinge it off, and then just be very aware of everything that's the car's telling you, and and try and communicate exactly what's what's going on. Say what it's like. That's a high stakes video, isn't it? Because th- those opportunities yeah. don't come around. No, like you want to get that right. It's um, it's one of those things. You you know that you've got to make it yeah. make it happen. However difficult it is in terms of all time constraints yeah it is actually you know and there was a moment actually the, the sort of i suppose the the moment in that of the drive back to the hotel was we did some tracking shots at the end of the day actually for a photographer and i'd done my piece of the camera there was nothing more i could do at that point it wasn't for you were just the film that we were driving car, i was just in the car and i wasn't doing anything particularly amazing but we had this tracking shot with the sunset and all three cars together and i was in the gc1 and you know, to be able to, to look out of that little side window and see the CLK GTR and then the F1 um, up ahead, that's, you know... Um, that's the stuff that dreams are made of, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you just, that, that is the sort of thing that, you know, you go back to those, you know, work experience days. Um, I hope you've got days one and, of those tracking shots framed somewhere. For yeah, I haven't at the moment, but I do have have those those photos that I will, yeah, I'll get it done at, at some point. But it's... Um, like, just to, to have that experience is going to be one of those, like, that just sticks yeah. for a long time. Even though the videos exist and the photos, it's mm. the, again, that connected to it, the emotion, the mm. feeling, the the stuff that you can't recreate through mm. any sort of, like, media. That's the real kind of piece that you'll take away, really. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but I think I'm, I'm, I feel so lucky that i get to get to create something mm. out of it and i think that's the sort of you know the, and the and something that that does reflect a lot of that pinch yourself yeah stuff and th- which is what you're just trying to get across to other people it's sort of um yeah it's, it's the you very much uh, bring that come with me we're getting this experience it's yeah. not aren't i lucky i got to do this it's we're going to be part of this yeah. once in a lifetime chance to to have these three cars together that won't likely happen again mm. and it, it comes across in the films that it's not a Henry Catchpole was a very lucky man it's a, <laughs> right let's go on this journey yeah. come along for the ride um, um, but, but I am yeah it's, it's, you are a very lucky it? man just, I'm a very lucky man and, but I'm I'm not I don't own but that's not all the messaging. these cars and, no exactly <laughs> and it's it's um uh I think if anything sometimes there's a uh, I've seen it sort of occasionally. There's, there's nothing worse than being told that you're sort of, um, you know, you're having your integrity questioned, or, or you never said anything bad about cars. But it's, it's, there's 
A, the cars that I get to drive, I'm, I'm, I'm not really driving the cars. We'll take my Renault out, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right, I drive mine. So um, I've got plenty wrong with it. But it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm driving things that are fundamentally pretty fun. I can obviously still remain objective, and I hope I do, in terms of saying this is good, this is bad, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't drive an Aventador Ultima and, and not say that the gearbox is pretty terrible in auto mode <laughs> frankly it's it's just it's not a good gearbox i don't care sort of yes you can call it character and you can work around it but fundamentally in these this day and age of dct yeah it's not it's not great um there's you know like lotus amira it's not it is not perfect there's that gearbox and engine not don't really live up to the looks of the rest of the car right. particularly but equally they're not that, that bad and yeah. it's and I don't ever want to, it would be all too easy to sort of f- forget that person that walked into Evo as a 22-year-old yeah. who'd only really driven a Mini before and, and you know, just was so happy to, to see and sit in one of those cars, um, let alone drive one. Yeah. And and you've, I, th- I think it's sort of, you know, there's an, you become there's spoiled. A, there's enough else bad yeah. going on in the world that, yeah. you know, being really negative about something just for the sake of it, or really, you know, having yeah. if, if I've got to find a bad thing exactly, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so yes, oh, of course I'll say if something's bad, but again, people, I'm, I'm not an overly sort of, um, I suppose, negative person or sort of or. Um, well, it's not like you're looking for faults, though, is it? You're trying to just give an no, honest no, view you, of what it's, it's like. It's an obvious feedback, and, and yeah. you know, and there will equally there will be things, uh, certainly handling traits and stuff that I don't like or doesn't doesn't do it for me. But um, but then I I get more and more picky as the years go by because I get to drive so many things, so I know exactly what I like in a car. Yeah. but that doesn't like mean the that GT4 RS video where you were like, yeah. "This is the best thing in the world." Yeah, it was brilliant. I was <laughs> having absolutely, and that's the thing you've got to trust. It. Am I having a whirl of a time? Yes, I am. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I'm going to say um, that. Yeah, and and I don't. People say, "Oh, he's a Porsche um, lover, so he's going to sort of. He's always he must be being paid by Porsche or something." They just make. Being brilliant yeah. cars, so. there's a reason they're so popular. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, but then when the Taycan came out and I drove that, and it really wasn't, mm. you know, it just didn't really do it for me. I've subsequently driven other ones, and they're getting better and better because Porsche do that thing of it's an iterative process, and they're very good at knowing that things have got to improve, and there'll be software updates, and things get better. And I had a brief go in a Taycan GTS the other day, and that's. I have to do a video on it at some point because you really do start to think. Hang on a minute, there's this for the first this. time I'm driving an EV, thinking, yeah, there's there's something in this. That's promising um, to hear, which then, is like, which is great. But yeah. you know, and it's and again, you can't just I can't base all my perspective on the Taycan purely off that first drive because again, you think right, well, has it changed? Yes, it has. It's not the same as it was before. So right, what have they done, and why am I enjoying this more? Right, the st- steering feels so much. Because one of the big things for the Taycan was the the 911 steering rack, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the we've put a Porsche steering system yeah. in it to make it feel more like a Porsche. Yeah. And yeah. to hear that they've continued to progress down that line is it's very Porsche, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we started with a thing. We think it's a good idea. We'll keep going yeah. until we've got it right. Yeah, and that's e- what you want. Equally, 718 Cayman. Yeah, that four cylinder engine. Mm. 
not good. And it just... I wanted the 981 with the six-speed manual. Mm. And I test drove one. Not that I can afford one, but (laughs) I'll give one a go. And I didn't like it. And then I went in my friend's who has the sports seats and the sports exhaust. Mm -hmm. And it was like a completely different car. Yeah. I was like, why didn't the one that I went in? <laughs> I'd have ended up making a huge financial mistake if yeah. I'd yeah. driven this one. But yeah. again, it's it's one of those, hopefully Porsche developing a bit more with the 718 to make it better. Yeah, yeah. I, I was always worried about the four-cylinder in that. Yeah, it just wasn't a particularly... Although they put a bloody three-litre four-cylinder in the 944, so there's <laughs> always some scope for different stuff. It's, um, um, which Liam from the back roads has, and I mock him relentlessly, calling it a Scirocco, even though I <laughs> bloody love the thing. I put Scirocco stickers on it once, because I've got, uh, behind you is some stickers that I made today, so I've got a sticker machine. And uh, it was at a friend of ours has a, um, they have a recovery company, but they've got a big workshop and a load of storage space, mm. so it spent a lot of time there. And the Renault's just come back from there. So every time I go over, I put stickers on different cars. Mm-hmm. So our friend has, I think he's on XJS number like 12 or something like that. He's just renowned for all these Jaguars. So um, there's this in-joke that he hell crate swaps them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He hates that. He loves V12 manuals. But we've got this joke that his nickname is Mr. Hellcrate. <laughs> so one day when I did the wrap, it's not a wrap, it's individual bits of vinyl, but for the sake of purposes... I was there for two days, locked in their warehouse, effectively, with my vinyl cutter. Mm. And I was like, wow, I'm not going to get this opportunity again. So I went around and put a Mr. Hellcrate stick on every Jaguar I could find. And then I was like, oh, the 944 is here. So then I made some Scirocco badges and put it all over that as well. And because it was parked next to a wall, it took him three weeks to find one of them. Oh, brilliant. And our Jared, who's the other half of the Backroads, um, TM, he'll, he'll listen to this, um, he knew that he hadn't found that one. So he recorded it when he finally found it. And it was the sweetest little video. Excellent. But that that's the car world in that you can have these friends. You can have that fun. And exactly. I imagine a lot of the stuff that you do really does bring you a lot of connection with other people. And yeah, a lot of community comes around all the stuff that you guys get up to. Yeah. Oh, your story reminds me of... Um, drove a Mustang GT350. In the one with the flat pane That's crank. the one. Yeah, absolutely. Um and it was across in, in the States. And uh, Aston Parrot, Evo's photographer, was, for some reason, he had to pick it up um, somewhere in Southern California and drove it up to meet me. So I'd got a higher car because it was off the back of a... Sorry, I'm making this story far more. Uh, keep going, so. it's fine. Um, point is, we did the shoot, everything like that. Um, uh, said goodbye and I got in this little Hyundai that, you know, couldn't pull the skin off a rice pudding and um, headed down. I was going down to specialise the bike company actually to go and say hi to somebody down there. I drove down there, he disappeared off to um, take the car back and I specialised at hi to them, had a wander around, going that, drove off somewhere else. Anyway, it was it was quite a long time before I realised what he had drawn in the <laughs> dusty side of the um, hire car. Um, and I won't say what it was, but I'm sure you can imagine um, <laughs> um, the um, uh, inappropriate nature of. So you're riding around with so, that, yeah, exactly. Going yeah, and seeing yeah. the guys, exactly, at yeah. Sort of, why are these people who see him? It's only a little Hyundai. Perhaps I've been recognised as Henry Catchpole. Perhaps yeah, I've broken America. No, no, no. There is um, uh, a malfalas on the side of the car and dust. So great. 
Thank you very much for that. But that's the so, point about having friends, though, isn't <laughs> exactly, it? Exactly, yes. If, if yeah. he was scared was to short, do that. It was a short text message I sent him. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it started with you and ended with what the description <laughs> of that drawing was. Yes. Oh, but, uh, so, yeah, that nah, made me laugh. That, that's the whole car world for me. And to kind of bring it to how we connected, because it's a nice thing. I like telling people it, so I'm going to say it to your face. <laughs> um, you bought one of my T-shirts... And yes. people will go, oh, it's nice when they get for you. Now, Henry bought one of my T-shirts without telling me, without me knowing who you were, like without me you knowing who I like. As a stranger, we'd never <laughs> met or spoken or anything like that. I knew who you were. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that name to pop up on an order. Yeah. And it was when I'd first started. So the T-shirts I was making when I first started, I'm very much a let's have a go and figure it out kind of person. Mm-hmm. And this whole ability to make T-shirts started off the back of that. In a customer of mine when I worked for UPS, had a sublimation printer and could do one-off, like one-at-a-time yeah. cheap T-shirts. And they cost about £8 to make and about £3 to post. Mm. And they they did the job of being a T-shirt, but they weren't very good T-shirts. They were high polyester count because that's how you sublimate. Right. is with polyester. You okay. can't do it to cotton. It doesn't work. Uh, okay. Um and they were quite thin. <laughs> they were cheap T-shirts, basically. Mm-hmm. But you still you bought one, and it, it went to you, and you didn't say anything, and you didn't send it back. And it <laughs> and meant I still a lot. Have it, and I still wear it. And so. you sent me a photo of you wearing it, and it meant a lot. And then my ability to create the T-shirts improved through a new supplier and ultimately using screen printing, which is a much more high-quality yeah. process. So I sent you another one to say thank you. <laughs> Which Here's the t-shirt yes. that you should have had all along. But the, the real thing was that it, it meant so much as someone just starting to try and do something. To have someone that I look up to as a professional in the industry with quite arguably a reasonable amount of credibility. <laughs> to receive that almost like commendation of, oh, I like what you're doing. It meant a lot. And... Then when I sent you a proper one and you didn't go, well, these haven't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I'm not going to lie. The, yeah, the, the one that you, you the sent black me, and gold one is, dark, black and gold is really lovely. It's a really nice quality. It's got better if you put them side um, by side. Yes, yeah. um, and then on top of that, to then wear, wear that black and gold one in the car fetching video, that, that meant a lot as well. And I got a couple of sales out of that. That was nice. Oh, it's a good week. My nice. website traffic, because my feature on my episode of the... Um, driven chat podcast mm-hmm. and that video came out in the same couple of days right my website traffic has never got that high again <laughs> <laughs> i had one week where it was really high because of those two things and i've been chasing that dragon ever since um but i it just it really meant a lot and the other thing that happened was when you had a look at that thing that i wrote that meant a lot because you are a professional in the industry that spends all of his time either writing or creating videos and to spend five minutes just reading through a stranger's piece of work, <laughs> it meant, it, again, it, it means a lot and it's a real show of character. And the fact that you're here is another show of character because you have, when you got here, like, I've got a phone call with bloody like a supercar manufacturer. <laughs> I might have to take that at some point. It, it's a testament to how busy you are it all, the time. all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. It was just... It's <laughs> I've, like I've had an hour and a half of your time of without a phone call from a supercar manufacturer. <laughs> it's the only hour and a half that will happen is lying, I promise. Um, but no, it just... It, 
it means a lot as someone that is a new into the game, b has no experience and is trying to figure it out as they go along, and to have someone that is kind of one of those people where I have like that's what I would like to do. I mean, I'm not following it as much as I probably should, but the intention will be there once the dust has settled from what's happening at the minute. Um, it just it just means a lot, and I think it's worth saying thank you for that. Oh, because you don't have to, but you still do. Right. Delighted to have helped in any, any way I can. So oh, I appreciate it. And it's inspiring for other people that may be passionate about cars and wouldn't know how to step into the industry. Because the way into the industry now is not what it was before. No, it's not. You don't do... Can I come and do work experience? Well, you might be able to. You might. I think it's still worth worth trying. I yeah. Think it's, it's, um, and it's in some ways, though, it's easier than it was. In... There's a, a real sense of that because yeah. everyone's a lot more interconnected. There's a lot more competition out there. That's, that's, the, that's the, the flip side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Like um, it would be much harder for me to approach, say, Evo hmm. as a relatively unheard of person, very relatively unheard of, not been heard of. And go, I write, would you like to pay me to write for you? Mm. When next door can go, I write, I'll do it for free for the passion. Mm. There's a lot of kind of creating your own value and stuff like that. And then there's also a lot of, well, you can do things yourself if you can build an audience. Mm. So that it's a really dynamic world to be in any way a part of. And I imagine for you it's probably you're well established enough that you don't quite have the same worries that someone who's never done it before would have but at the same time you're probably kind of like right who's coming after me who's yeah, trying absolutely. to get yeah, my well, job it's, it's, yeah absolutely it's my you know this is my career now I've got to, got yeah. to keep it try and keep it going and um, uh, back to the question of sort of you know making a rod for your own back but you, you do want to keep improving and, and doing um, the best job that that you can, and um, yeah, it's it's um, well, it, it's even more of a testament to you as being a nice person that your career depends on you writing for people and <laughs> like creating content, yeah. and things like that. And then you get someone like me go, "Would you look at this piece of work?" <laughs> and rather than going. I see you now as potential future competition. You go, here's how to get better at trying to take my job in the future. Well, Um, not that I am in any way trying to hunt down your position either. I've had one article and that's it. I've got my foot. Now it's, but it's an interesting world to, to see behind the curtain of and to find out that a vast majority of the people that are involved are nice people is really reassuring. Yeah, and it offers, if I can in some way get involved in it, and I haven't had a history of being in the car world, and I fell out of love with the car world for a few years when I didn't have an interesting car, it hopefully offers some sort of inspiration for other people that if if you have the right attitude and you put your mind to it, you can probably find a way in in some way. Yeah. And if I've found a way in in one way, someone will find a way in a different way. Yeah. And then we'll all be Henry Catchpole. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Horrendous world. That now, be. you're far too tall for me to chase after you. Um, so what can we expect in the future for you, Mr. Catchpole? Obviously, you're doing stuff with the uh, the Intercooler guys. Yes. Yep. Which is a yeah, fun, exciting thing. Yes, enjoying doing that. Enjoying doing some 
some sort of more regular writing for them because it's it's nice to um, well keep my keep my hand in with mm. with that and it's a bit more. Are they shorter well. pieces. Yeah, they tend to be between sort of eight hundred to twelve hundred words. Is roughly what they yeah. want from me. Um, because they are fully digital media, aren't they? They are. They yes, are the iPad yeah. from 15 years ago. Exactly, right? yeah. Um, uh, but having said that, obviously I still get to write the long-form stuff for Evo yeah. um, occasionally, but the bulk of my time is taken up with um, <clears throat> with Carfection just because the, the videos are generally... Take time long, to make them. Take time they? to make and um, that sort of thing. But... Um, uh, so those are the three main things that we can be expecting for the future for yeah, the foreseeable anyway yeah exactly I'd like to do a bit more cycling stuff again but that's kind of taken a bit of a back seat at the moment um, so yeah I've got various thoughts always trying to think what's next where can we take it mm. next what's bigger and better and you know doing I'd love to one one day try and do something for you know a Netflix series or something mm. like that. Sort of see what was there is out there. If, um, that could be some fun. Yeah, <clears throat> could be. It's, it's a, that's yeah. a whole other world to try and understand and and, and then find an w- appropriate way into and exactly. get the right pictures and meet with the yeah. right people. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like sort of. I'd love to. Um, I'd love to write a book one of these days. Sort of. Well, love, if anyone's got the skill set. <laughs> <laughs> I know, see it as a, a twenty thousand word article rather than a three thousand word. <laughs> it's uh, yes, it would be nice to do, and I think if I could give myself a little bit more time to mm. to do that, then um, um, yeah, it'll happen. I'm sure at but some point. I think the thing to take away from that is, no matter who you are, you're always chasing a project that you yeah. haven't dedicated time or energy to. Yeah. Like, I'm always like, I should probably sit down and write some stuff because. Mm. The guys at the Backroads TM very kindly said, "Would you, would you, if you wanted to, we'll help put some stuff on the internet mm. on their site and stuff like that." So yeah, that's great. And then like, the next week rolls around, like, I should probably have written something <laughs> by now. And then if it's not me, it's, I should I want to write a book, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should probably dedicate some time. Yeah. And I imagine that everybody in every industry, no matter who they are and who matter you, no matter who you look up to, they're having the same things. I should yeah. probably do that at some point. Yeah. It's like, well, you're making videos, writing for Evo and writing for the Intercooler, <laughs> and you're still like, I should, I should really have more time. <laughs> this did works three jobs, effectively. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure, and I have taken up a fair amount of your afternoon. <laughs> Not at all. Um, it's been lovely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No, I appreciate it. Um, it's nice to have a chat. Yes, and hopefully this is a nice example for people that conversations aren't like daunting. It would be very easy to find conversation and it's not to say that they aren't and it's not to say that there isn't stress around talking to people and to devalue the things such as anxiety and stuff like that Mm. but hopefully these podcasts act as an example that pretty much everybody that you meet regardless of who they are Mm. is a person yeah and and it's that sort of i'm i should say this because it's it's obviously what i do i we said it before. I try to make everything look, you know, mm. you know, polished. I suppose, and it's and the, the the version of things that you want to project to people um, because it's you're making a video that you want people to enjoy, and that's sort the of thing. Yeah. But equally, it's easy to assume that it's all um, plain sailing and, and and all that, and it's it's sort of um, 
it's not, which kind of you know, makes it hopefully more human and enjoyable in some space. Yeah. If you do have that in mind, that needs, you can almost sort of wonder what on earth they had to do to, to get that, and sort of <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's sitting there in the, uh, the random hotel trying to brew yourself some coffee first thing in the morning because you know you're not gonna. And it's it's all fun, but it's not. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you get the ang- I get the anxieties as well. Like you said, it was sort of right. What am I you're sitting there? what am I going to do for this one? What, how do we make it work? And, yeah. you know, the camera's gone wrong, the car's broken down, or, you know, the, <laughs> not going to get home in time. You said you were going to get home. or what? It's just all those things, they're all there. Yeah. And I don't post a lot on social media and sort of Instagram and stuff. And so you, it's, it's, you only get the kind of the... The things the, that you are... The, the, but doing. then yeah. I, I just don't share a great deal... Of stuff, but but that's not to kind of. So it would be very easy to assume that um, my life is perfect. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> you, perfectly you texted me earlier saying I'm going to be late because things are going chaotically in the wrong direction for this thing I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow. Yeah. Like these things happen, and they are that is part and parcel with life, isn't it? Yeah, no matter exactly. who you are and what you're doing, yeah, these things happen. Yeah, but it's that let's keep going. Let's try and make the best of it. Let's. Yeah. learn when to say right we need to push this back or postpone to another time this isn't the right moment we'll, yeah. we'll cost ourselves more than we'll benefit if we do it yeah. that way and, and it's, I, a, it's the people thing again isn't it it's yeah. that coming back to the you know I can when, it, when it's all going a bit wrong the ability to be able to turn to somebody else or the most important thing is to be able to turn to somebody else and say <clears throat> you know, pick up the phone and say this is happening yeah. Can I just run it by you? Whether whether I think they've got the answer or not, or they can say yes or no, or whether it's the videography and say, should we just give up on this one, this shot, or let's not bother, or all calm them down and no. <clears throat> but it's talk, the talking it through yeah. is, and I'm I'm not very good at doing it, but I try. To remember, I'm not very good at doing it, and I have <laughs> it's okay to talk written over almost yeah. everything I own, and my partner's a psychologist, and I'm still mm. the. It's not um, easy. Bottle it up and yeah. soldier on, and we'll figure it out as we go along. Yeah, and exactly. It, it's the real takeaway is that it isn't easy. These things do happen. Everybody is a person that has to deal with it all, but it's that kind of perseverance and that kind of self awareness that keeps things going. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll all just sit around and do nothing because it's all too hard and it's all too scary. Exactly. And bravery comes from facing fear. Everybody is scared. Yeah. But real bravery is being scared and keeping going, and yeah. it's not the I don't get scared. everybody gets scared. Yeah. If they say they don't, they're lying to you, or they have a problem that's not been diagnosed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Thank not you for all. sitting and chatting. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I've caused you some more hay fever by having the door open. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> hopefully, the fan hasn't been hit like all the whole it's time. Fine. Just one cough. It's yeah, not a problem. Throat. It's all good. <laughs> um, but no, thank you very much. And. Uh, the best place to find you for the few things you do post is just Henry Cashpole. Uh, probably Instagram's the best best place, so yeah. at Henry Cashpole, nice and easy Perfect. on Instagram. And if not um, that, it's Carfection has their own. Definitely Carfection, yes. Create a lot of amazing content. So, so uh, thank you again, and I'll end it there. Mm-hmm.